And and good morning, good afternoon, whatever, wherever you might be. And I just broke my earplugs. We're going to get started here in a minute. Uh, just bear with me. I'm waiting for the Safety FM feed to start up here. In about a minute. I uh, hate it when things uh, break right, right before broadcast. So uh, in the next couple of days, you're going to see my background change just slightly because I did a huge clean out of my office here, and I found some signs, safety-related signs that are going to go up behind me. So anyway, how's everybody doing out there tonight? I hope so. I hope okay. We're enjoying beautiful weather here uh, in the Northeast. So uh, if you have a chance, go out there and uh, enjoy it. I took a nice long bike ride this morning. And we're going to start in... Right now. Hi, this is Jim from Safety Wars. Before we start the program, I want to make sure everyone understands that we often talk about OSHA and EPA citations, along with some other regulatory actions from other agencies, legal cases, and criminal activity. Everyone is innocent until proven guilty in a court of law. Proposed fines are exactly that, and they are often litigated, reduced, or vacated. We use available public records, news accounts, and press releases. We cannot warranty or guarantee the details of any of the stories we share, since we are not directly involved with these stories, at least not most of the time. Enjoy the show. This, this, this show is brought to you by Safety FM. And from the border of liberty and prosperity and the highway to the north, this is Safety Wars for Tuesday, June 13th. I had to look at the... Uh, calendar you how's everybody doing tonight i hope you are enjoying things as i said uh the you people are, who are watching us on that visual radio uh we uh are, my background is going to be changing uh just like uh for right i cleaned out the office my wife was getting upset she's a, she's a mess and uh, yes, I always have the program on in the background because I don't trust the computers. I think everybody here knows that. No, 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 no. This is what happens when you are brought up watching Terminator movies. So, uh, a lot going on today. Uh, anything big happen in the news today? I don't know. I'm just joking there. And um, so today it was a one, one of those where were you when something happened days. So where were you when uh, the president of the United States got indicted uh, for um, 37 counts of document mishandling the things going on, what have you. I don't know. We're going to let the lawyers handle that. But I do know one thing uh, about I, I've been getting fundraising no, I, I'm on like every email list there is, every text message list I can get on with these uh, political candidates. It was one of my things. They started doing this in about 2006, 2007. And I'm still, they put me on this stuff all the time. So I've been getting bing, ding, ding, ding all day long. One side saying, oh, no, we're, they're out to get me and I have to go and... You know, send money. The other side, well, we have to go after him, so send money. Money, and it's you know, pretty funny. I'm sure one day uh, my posterity will look at my email stuff and my uh, text message and say, "What the hell are you doing?" <laughs> you know, way it is, and then they'll say, "Well, it's that." You know, what, what do you expect? So, uh, a couple of other things came up uh, since Monday. Uh, when we met last night, one of uh questions that came up over the weekend, I and again, someone said, You know, Jimmy, you probably need to comment on this is professional development. One of the comments that I received from Ian Punnett of Coast to Coast AM on Saturday night was, you know, he he didn't ask the question directly, he was like, Man, you got a lot of stuff, 
how how were you able to accumulate that? Uh, so uh, no, but and I said this is uh, no, I didn't really a answer it adequately, and it's along the lines of in the safety industry, it's very easy to accumulate certifications. You have several different types of or and credentials. Most people that I know who are into safety have more than one credential. And I don't mean uh, like you have lead training 1926-62 or you have confined space entry training 1910-146. I don't mean that. It's not what I mean. You, get, you go to an organization and you get credentialed. Uh, a lot of us, ah, that explains what the issue is. Okay. I had two microphones on. Uh, so you, you're able to take an exam somewhere from an organization, maybe from the government, a license, and you are able to fail it. There is a failure rate on it. Then you have OSHA credentials. Can you fail them depending on what organization you go to? The answer is yeah, they're, but they're OSHA related as far as right, confined space entry. And all. we're not talking train the trainer type situations. And then you have your weekly city meetings uh, and daily job hazard analysis uh, type of things. So you have several levels of training, but if you're going to get a credential like certified safety professional, certified hazardous materials manager, certified industrial hygienist, you're required to do a certain amount of CEUs, continuing education units. And that goes for pretty much any license out there, even a uh, license of practice law from the barring, right? However that works uh, from the bars, right? And very, it's very easy to accumulate this stuff. I had a, since I'm a consultant since November 2004, no, I graduated, back then I got the big ones. I got my two degrees. But what happened, and I had, at that time, 2004, I had about 12 years experience, depending on how you want to count. Thought, you know, you thought that you knew something after 10 years. I call it the 10-year itch. Usually, safety professionals only last about 10 years, max. And then a decision has to be made. Are you going to continue doing this or move on to something else? Because as we know, it's a burnout environment. We talk about uh, behavior-based safety. We talk about all these burnout types of environments that we get involved in and everything else. And people are like, screw it. I know people with uh, masters in occupational safety and health, which are not are, are not exactly easy to get. You say after 10 years, that's it. Why? Especially when I got into the industry, because it's a burnout thing. Everybody hates you. Uh, school does not teach you how to do leadership. Oh, and by the way, there's more to follow in the extremely near future on that. They don't tell you how to handle things. They don't know about the pushback that safety professionals face, like what we discuss on this program. They don't teach you a lot of stuff. And it's like, look, we are a safe company. Therefore, because we have a safety professional, that's all that we need. See, we're safe. We got to. We hired. We hired a guy to handle this. Now go do your job. Oh, can he put on a pair of safety glasses? No, no, no. That's not your job to tell him what to do. We know that, and it can either come as a subtle type of thing, where it is very subtle. Oh, you know, hey, you know, or it'll be like very overt, like I just said. So this is essentially what it comes down to: is that you. Well, after 10 years, you're saying, screw it. I'm done with it. Then after that, what I, I have, that's, that's pretty much what happened to me. I said, look, I can't deal with this type of uh, environment here, with this, with the burnout environment. So I went into business for myself. Huh? And that was a whole bunch of other problems uh, that came up, especially with my first company. And... Uh, what ended up happening was I got the comment, you know, I got the comment. 
you're not qualified. You're not trained. We know more than you do. Blah, 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 blah. So I started a process of uh, autodidact, right? Basically, you're a safety professional, you're autodidactic, meaning you're self-taught. I believe that's the word. And I became, I went and I got started a process of reading. Greatest thing in the world was the uh, website that started out primarily selling books that's named after a river in South America. And they have a used book service. So you, I was able to get books. They didn't have a lot of money. I was able to get books like Eugene Myers, The Chemistry of Hazardous Materials. And there were others. Internet started to get more and more resources on it. It's a health and safety related. And what we ended up doing was uh, learning, learning, learning. And I became an outreach trainer, I believe it was in 2005 for construction. And then 2010, I, was, I went back into the 2009, I went back into doing strictly the oil industry because not a lot of people were getting what were called quick transfer worker identification credentials. So I had them and I was able to go into and start doing things. And eventually what happened was I went to Rutgers, uh, the, uh, the Rutgers uh, OSHA Outreach Center. And then it was uh, UMDNJ, and then it became Rutgers. Then it was uh, uh, in Piscataway. Now it is in Somerset, I believe it is, right down the street on 287. Uh, you know, uh, about three miles away, and it takes you about 45 minutes to get there in the morning. And I went through the whole thing, and you know, blah, blah, blah. I said, you know, what's the cheapest and easiest way for me to get credentialed? So I had already had the certified indoor environmentalist credential for indoor air quality. And then I had the OSHA outreach for construction. And then I slowly continued and did all of their continuing education programs there. So I got, there were three of them. I completed all three of them, I, which basically necessitated me taking all the courses. And then before you know it, you're learning. And you're getting more and more into this and you're more and more into this because I had basically no training on how to be a safety professional when I started out on this. So it was the classic sink or swim. And you learn by doing and you learn by watching and observing. And then eventually I got the certified hazardous materials manager credential. And that was almost 100% what my master's degree was in with the environmental policy studies, uh, which was more environmental science and policy. Then it, uh, but a good dose of policy. And then eventually the ASP and then the CSP, and here I am today, along with some other stuff from Honeywell, you can check it out on my website, uh, safetywords.com. Now, what do you think happened in about 2019 to me? That's when I got the ASP, right? Associate Safety Professional Credential. And let's face it, if you've been doing this long enough, do you really need the credentials? It's a debate. So I ended up getting uh, those credentials. And then all of a sudden, the people, and by the way, the people were still saying, you're not qualified and we know better than you. And what do you think happened at the end of this? Come on, guess. The people who are saying that, I had more credentials than they did. Oops, don't you like the way that works? For whatever reason, keep on. Now, I could have said, oh, what well, being been beaten down like a lot of other people in the industry. I'm not bragging here, but you have a choice. You can be beaten down or you can be empowered. I'm the type of guy that says, hey, look, uh, you can't do X, Y, and Z, and all of a sudden you do it. And that's part of what this program is also is, uh, hey, uh, you can't have a, a radio show, uh, internet broadcast. You can't have a podcast because you're, you know, you talk funny sometimes. Uh, you know, you're not as good looking as uh, Jay Allen, 
you know, you can't do that. So they, uh, so here we are uh, after that. And, you know, I, I consider it a challenge. And so what do you think that happened? They ushered me right out of that facility right after that, after I got the uh, credentials, because at that facility, there was a, I don't want to say prohibition, but it was discouraged that the contractors have credential safety people there. Because at that, because it's like that somebody had said to me there, a very wise man had said to me, Jimmy, you do understand that there's no excuse for you not to look the other, not to know. Once you get letters after your name, I said, yeah, Ed, I know. <laughs> and he said, just so you know that. And he said, don't be surprised if people are going to, want you not here anymore. And that's often what the case is with safety. And I don't know if it's more for us than anywhere else. If you get out of college and you're a new safety professional, environmental scientist, regardless of what you are, uh, any other field too probably goes on. Well, you're always that kid right out of college. I was talking to uh, somebody I graduated uh, college with. I ran into her at a concert a little bit awkward because I had my wife and she was sitting behind us and uh, uh, very awkward. And she, uh, I, what was the name of the man though? I forget what it was. Anyway, the, uh, she said, and she said, yeah, I'm still that 22 year old kid out of college. And I've been working here for 25 years and it was for a state agency. And I said, yeah, and that's just the way it is. Uh, and if you're, and you have to realize what the culture is too. So I worked with predominantly Eastern Europeans uh, in the refining industry, mostly Polish. Uh, and their whole thing was that they did not want to have uh, anyone working in the industry or working for their company who was not Polish. And being my mother is Polish, right from Womja, and it turns out we did the DNA analysis. I'm like 75% Polish, both sides of the family, and uh, from the same area of Poland, same county, which is even freakier. Uh, they, uh, uh, you know, they were more willing to accept me. But the thing is, they weren't accepting me until I got married and had a child. Then all of a sudden, well, now you're not a little boy anymore because that's what the culture was. And there you're a little boy or a little girl until you have a child. Way it is. So, and again, you know, you stay on there and everything else. Now you're able, just because you have the credentials, you have all, everything else doesn't mean that people are going to listen to you. And that's what leadership comes in. That's why we stress so much in our safety training, leadership. We talk when we do the 30-hour outreach for any of the topics, right? We talk about leadership. We have, hey, this is how you run a safety meeting. This is what it takes to be a safety leader. This is at least Jimmy Polzel's view. And uh, safety management systems we had to cover in the 30-hour course. That's all worked in there is how do we manage people? How do we React, how do you become a safety leader? And I know it's cliched and some people aren't going to like me saying this. I can tell you that right off the bat. But who's looking out for you? That's who it is. Uh, that's what it comes down to. We're going to take a brief break. Oh, and by the way, I move because I have problems with the computers locking up. I have around 50 things open at one time. Now we have two computers here. So... Uh, stories on my left-hand side or on your right-hand side and camera to my right-hand side or your left-hand side, depending on how you want to look at it. So uh, we're going to go to commercial break and we will be right back. In a world where danger lurks in every corner, one man stands as a beacon of hope. Jim Polzel, a veteran safety expert with over three decades of experience, now bringing his knowledge to you with Safety Wars. Engaging, informative, and always relevant, that's Safety Wars. Join the safety revolution with Safety Wars, available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts and videos. 
OSHA recordables, catastrophic losses, environmental disasters. You want answers? So do I. This is Jim Polzel with Safety Wars. That's my daddy. That's right. Uh, I am your daddy, Jessica. And let's go for one more. Is your safety training old, stale, and hackneyed? Is your safety trainer still preaching a warped version of behavior-based safety? How about safety training that actually addresses your hazards in your workplaces and is not standardized baloney from 25 years ago? Contact the Safety Wars team at safetywars.com or call Jim Bozel at 845-269-5772. Remember, if you're receiving this message, you are the solution to unsafe workplaces. Okay, so here we are, back with uh, our show. We're going to go to our regular news and views here. Uh, you can drop me a line, jim at safetywords.com or 845-269-5772 if you're interested in any of our services. We do uh, lots of training classes. Uh, we do uh, a lot uh, of those. Uh, uh, most recently, uh, last week, we did the... Uh, uh, for supervisors on hazardous waste sites, I develop course uh, for that. Yes, you have the eight-hour supervisory training for that, but we go into everything that you need to know how to manage a, health, uh, a hazardous waste site uh, out there. And one of our more popular things, because what happens is if when uh, the guvno hits the fan, you're kind of know what to do. You have to know what to do. Who do you call? Right. And everything else along with that. And how to, uh, and more importantly, I focus on how to prevent accidents, accident prevention, incident prevention. And then why do certain things? So maybe to make your investigation a little bit easier on that. And so you have your ducks in a row and uh, avoid uh, liability with that. So here we have uh US Department of uh, and no I think this is along the lines of the heat stress situation. A US Department of Labor urges landscaping industry employers to stay focused on protecting employees from hazards as demands increase. More than 1000 people suffered fatal workplace accidents from 2011 to 2021. The familiar sounds of weed trimmers and lawnmowers and the sights of landscaping workers are familiar sights in many neighborhoods. Uh, office parks and other locations. For people doing these jobs, including young people employed for the summer, the work exposes them to hazards such as moving machine parts, heat exposure. Again, that's a focused thing for OSHA now. Uh, falling trees and toxic chemicals. So uh, from according to Bureau of Labor Statistics, 1,072 fatalities in the landscaping industry from 2011 to 2021. That's 10 years. So what are we looking at? Exposure to chemicals such as fertilizers and pesticides, PPE issues, respiratory hazards, uh, guarding on machine parts, operating machines near water hazards such as ponds and ditches, encounters with animals, insects, and other natural hazards in contact with electrical power lines during tree and bush trimming, exposure to extreme summer weather, all of those things. And you can check this all out on the OSHA website here with all of the, uh, uh, all of the uh, things uh, on here, all of these hazards. I would, uh, I would encourage OSHA training for recent graduates here. U.S. Department of Labor renews star-level designation for of Raytheon Cor uh, Company site in Tewksbury, Massachusetts, for workplace safety and health achievements. This is Raytheon employs 3,200 workers at its Tewksbury Product Testing and Design Center, and they have awarded uh, them uh, an, uh, uh, the OSHA star site since 2010. So if we remember uh, from recent news, they're looking at revamping that whole program. This is um, from EPA News. EPA Region 7 uh, to present City of Mason City, Iowa, with $500,000 check for Brownsfield uh, grant. So uh, basically, will City of Mason, 
City, Iowa, will be getting $500,000. City will host the ceremony. Uh, no, they're going to have a nice little ceremony. And the target area is, for this grant is the uh, urban core of Mason City. And they're going to uh, revamp a blighted strip mall, a nine-acre vacant site that formerly manufactured steel doors, and a half-acre vacant site that once housed a foundry. And this is all part of investing, uh, President Biden's investing in America agenda. So don't tell me I don't cover the administration uh, positively because I do it every night and with these press releases. Okay. And here we go uh, now. Pesticide chemical ruled cause of death for worker who fumigated a Broward warehouse. Two pest control companies died and another was hospitalized after fuming, uh, fumigating a ay, 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 after fumigating a warehouse in Broward County. Uh, the, uh, blah, blah, blah. the chemical company that sold the pest control company in the gas told state investigators that over 100 gas uh, uh, canisters might have been released at one time in there. I'm, I'm reading this right. Yep, mishandled. So I guess they let them all off at one time. It's like that uh, uh, fireworks uh, uh, um, thing in san diego in 2012 where they all went off at one time and this is the other thing you have a consumer product right and people like ah oh, well i'm gonna use it any way i want they don't read the instruction manual and they figure more better and then they end up having to go and uh they end up putting more in there than what they need to and let's remember from toxicology everything is toxic it all depends on what the dose is that's what paracelsus uh, had said so I don't know not the way I want to go is with pesticides and fumigating things because it's like a nerve gas on you it, it, it's not good it disrupts your central nervous system uh, here are some uh, from overseas from Australia a man has died in an incident at a mine site in western Australia's Pelbara region uh Mineral Resources said the incident occurred at approximately 4 p.m. on Monday at a Sanso Iron Project. Police attended the site and described the death as non-suspicious. So what's going on else is going on here? Again, they offer their thoughts and praise, prayers. So I guess that, you know, that's universal in the English language. Uh, so uh, my condolences to the family there. Here we have one in the United States. Man killed by construction vehicle in accident at Brockton Hospital. Let's remember, uh, vehicle accidents are the ones that are the most common, right, in the workplace. So here you have one. A construction worker was killed at a shuttered hospital in Brockton, Massachusetts on Tuesday. I know that where this place is, by the way. The 63-year-old man was leaving uh, leveling gravel with a when a Bobcat construction vehicle fell on him. The man was pronounced dead at the scene. Uh, he had very significant injuries. He was identified. Uh, I'm not going to give his name. Federal, state, and local. I'm not going to be me. That's going to release a person's name to someone who knew him. Federal, state, and local investigators, including OSHA, were looking into what led to the death. Aerial footage from the scene, above the scene, showed several fire vehicles and fire officials missing. So let's uh, hear uh, with this. With a bobcat. Right? They also call them skid steers. Right, a skid steer, like a uh, like a, a cow steer, right? And uh, a bull, right? A steer. Anyway, a uh, you have a situation here with that. Your field of view on a a lull or on a bobcat is this, right? That's all it is. You can't see behind you. You might have a little mirror here or there, but guess what? Those mirrors usually get lost in a couple of months. At most, you'll get out of them. And then a company is don't replace them. I'm not saying that's what happened here, but that often is what happened. But this is what you're seeing. You are seeing this. You're not seeing anything else. And uh, 
what ends up, and you're also supposed to be uh, 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 having, uh, no, strapped in. You're supposed to have your seatbelt on, and there is a bar, like an amusement park, right? A bar coming down. It comes over your, uh, across your lap. And that thing doesn't work without those things being down and those things working. So what ends up happening is lack of view. The things are very unstable because they have a small wheelbase. And guess what? This is what happens. Uh, people get run over. People are maybe standing in the right spot. They're not being parked in the right spot. It's a horrible thing. A Google engineer, 31, jumps to death in New York City. Second worker's suicide in months. A senior software engineer at Google jumped through his death from the search giant's headquarters in Chelsea late Thursday, according to authorities and police sources. So, uh, again, if you are having problems, please get help. Please get help. Uh, it's not worth it. Here we have uh, out of, uh, where is this? Another one out, of, uh, one out of Canada. Man who died in trench collapse, remembered for his kindness. Liam Johnson's partner is calling on his co-workers to come forward with information that may be helpful to OHS investigators. The partner of a man killed in a workplace incident earlier this week says she will, won't let his death be in vain and hopes to find justice for the apprentice plumber. First responders were called uh, to an alley in the 2600 block of 34th Avenue Northwest after a large, and this is from Calgary, I guess, Canada, uh, after a large amount of earth retaining wall cinder blocks, buried a man who was on a ladder doing sewer line repairs and three to six meter deep trend. I don't know what the laws are in the United States, uh, in Canada, but in the United States, you would need probably a trench box or depending on the soil, you could bench it or slope it. Uh, with that. And uh, I believe next week is going to be a uh, focus week on uh, excavation cavens here uh, in the United States. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's a repeat story. Readout U.S. Department of uh, Labor Roundtable marks equal payout, Title IX anniversaries. Reflects on advances hurdles ahead for women. U.S. Department of Labor Day hosted the U.S. Department of Education and a diverse panel of women leaders in the professional sports industry for roundtable discussion to mark the significance of the Equal Pay Act and Title IX of the Education Amendments in 1972. Moderated by Women's Bureau Director Wendy Chun-Hoon, Getting in the game, women's in sports careers celebrated the impact of the two legislative milestones of pursuing women's careers in professional sports, examined how to build upon the gains made by these laws and women in history. So, good on that. EPA announces the sixth annual Federal Facility Excellence in Site Reuse Award winners. Today, that is the June 13th, the U.S. EPA is announcing the winners of the 6th Annual National Federal Facility Excellence and Site Reuse Awards. These awards highlight the accomplishments of federal agencies, states, tribes, local partners, and developers in restoring and reusing contaminated land at federal facilities. EPA is honored. This is from Barry Breen, EPA's Acting Assistant Administrator, the Office of Land and Emergency Management. EPA is honored to highlight the work and tremendous partnerships needed to address contaminated federal facilities and implement a locally driven reuse strategy to safeguard and revitalize communities and the environment. So here we have two. Superfund National Priorities list uh, is Middlesex. Oh, I know this place. Middlesex Sampling Plan. That's from my uh, uh, right around the corner uh, from me where I grew up. Uh, not right around, but in the same area. The U, uh, Middlesex Sampling Plant, Middlesex, New Jersey, Department of Energy, Office of Legacy Management. Uh, hold on. Okay, I know what I know exactly where this site is. 
The U.S. Department of Energy began remediation at the U.S. government-owned Middlesex Sampling Plant in New Jersey in 1980 under the formerly utilized Sites Remedial Action Program. Since 1997, the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers continued site cleanup activities under uh, the same remediation program, and surface soils were remediated to an unrestricted use level. In 2018, Middlesex Borough, New Jersey, proposed the acquisition of the site for use as the Department of Works slash Office of Emergency Management Facility and a public road. Public road going on and on and on. Uh, I tell you what, I'm going to take, I'm going to do what I often do here. I'm going to Google this because I tell you what, I like doing this stuff uh, up front, uh, you know, uh, as a first lead. I, you know, I don't have time to write a one hour long program so i end up doing all of this on the fly so to speak some people love it some people hate it i believe i was at this site okay i've been here all right i've been here the middlesex sampling plant yep i've been here so uh what the history of this plant is is actually pretty hit. I'm reading off of Wikipedia here. I've been here. I actually uh, covered somebody for about a month, month and a half on this job when they were on an extended vacation. So I'm very familiar with this site. So Middlesex Sampling Plant is on Mid Mountain Avenue, Middlesex, and was initially used to stockpile pitch blend uranium oil. Uh, uranium ore from 1943 to 1955 under the direction of the Manhattan Project and its successor energy uh, agency, U.S. Atomic Energy Commission. It was used for crushed, dried, screenway, and assay store uh, and ship uranium along with thorium and beryllium ores. So what ended up happening was all through New Jersey, and I'm sure it's many other areas in the country, you have certain communities that sprung up around the war effort. We have, you can still see uh, one part of Linden, New Jersey, is military housing. You also had in the same area the uh, 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 Kilmer, Camp Kilmer. I, I always get, used to say Camp Kilmer, right? Which, uh, you know, from Star Trek, it's Camp Kilmer, named after Joyce Kilmer, who wrote the famous uh, 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 uh Poem, right? I think that I shall never see a poem as pretty as a tree. We had to memorize it for Arbor Day. But anyway, uh, they ended up uh, having all these little sites. And as part of, they, I don't think they really understood the nature of uranium. And, they, and this is not the only place in New Jersey where they stockpiled this stuff and assayed it and everything else and then shipped it out by rail to wherever it was going, probably Oak Ridge, Tennessee. Uh, at, at this point to make nuclear weapons. So they uh, ended up, the whole place ended up to be uh, radioactive and everything. It was uh, pretty uh, awesome out there. And yes, I've done uh, radio radiation cleanups and everything. That was That's what prompted me to write my first book, which I am thinking about reissuing. And I keep on saying that over and over again. Uh, the second priorities list award is former Bannister Federal Complex in Kansas City, Missouri, Department of Energy National Nuclear Security Administration. Uh, again, Bannister Federal Complex in Kansas City, Missouri, was acquired and developed by the U.S. government in 1942 as part of the World War II effort. The nearly 3 million square foot underroof site was used to build aircraft engines. There is, that the result, this resulted wrong thing here significant contamination evidenced by the presence of chlorinated solvents in soil water that's usually trichloroethylene and perchloroethylene used as cleaners and things of that nature and also with uh paint uh some paints back in the day the site was transferred to a private developer in 2017 and uh some you know pretty exciting things going on out there with that, oh, weird that I I know the one job here. EPA invites public. By, by the way, right around the corner, there is a really good Chinese food restaurant. I don't. I forget the name. Of it. That's what I remember. It was phenomenal when I worked there. EPA invites public to attend June twentieth community meeting uh, about uh, a 
uh, Lot 46 Valley Gardens TCE Superfund site. So whenever you see things not specifically named and you hear Lot 46 or the other one is Study Area 7 in Jersey City across from the Home Depot. Uh, now that means it's probably a pretty bad site. I'm sorry that, you know, no, nobody wants to name it. You're not going to name it like Frank Jones's super fun site. No, it's lot 46 Valley Gardens. Uh, so there's going to be a meeting next Tuesday at Weeks Middle School in Des Moines, Iowa. And uh, they're going to add the uh, super fun site to the NPL national priorities list. EPA settles with a renovation company servicing California houses over claims of toxic substance control act violations. Today, the U.S. EPA announced a settlement with a company, not going to mention the name of the company, only by accident, over claims of violations of TSCA. The company provides renovation services using local contractors at residential properties in California and um, other states and has agreed to pay $101,000. The renovation, repair, and painting rule requires that a general uh, contractor or subcontractor have at least one person assigned to a project who has been properly trained in the management of levees paint so they can properly train others and ensure that the paint is properly managed and disposed of. This is a federal law, by the way. Uh, I used to, I went for the class, but uh, didn't really need it after that. I never kept up with it. In addition, firms are required to keep records of their compliance with the, with the rule for at least three years from the time of a given renovation has been completed. The claims that this company uh, violated apply to six properties uh, through California that involved eight separate violations. So here they are. Provide property owners with the EPA's renovation, renovate right pamphlet. Assign a certified renovator to each renovation. Keep records that a certified renovator was assigned to the renovations. Keep records that a certified renovator provided on-the-job training for the workers. Keep records that a certified renovator performed work or directed workers. And keep records that a CR performed post-cleaning verification and contain the work area to ensure that no dust or debris left the work area during renovations. Uh, you know what? I did a video on this a couple years back for a client. I'm going to contact the client and see if they'll allow me to release it. Then you could see it for yourself. EVA recognizes two North Carolina winners of the Pollution Prevention Works, a storytelling challenge for uh, uh, students. We went over this last week. Uh, you're sorry about that. So the wildfires are still going on up there in Canada. And uh, so if you pull up a wildfire map, you notice that you have them in this country as well. We're not only blaming the uh, Canadians here, right? Do we need to play that South Park song? Blame Canada, blame Canada, right? Uh, South Park, the movie, uh, yes. Jim, you don't watch movies. I know, I know. Not too much anymore. However, I do watch... Uh, I will be watching 3 a.m. morning on Wednesday morning. The that's when they drop once. I'm sorry, Thursday morning, right? Fifteenth, yeah, thirteen, four, fifteenth, yes, 3 a.m. Star Trek: Strange News. Should I do a review on that on the show? I don't know. Uh, maybe it might be better for Instagram on that. Uh, da -da -da. Okay, here we go. Uh, should I wear my uniform? Hmm. I started like Paramount. I my understanding is that Paramount gets very upset with that. Hmm. No, no publicity is bad publicity. Maybe. Anyway, anyway. Uh, yes, I have a uniform. I bought off a of cafe press. Just the T-shirt. Anyway, the. Uh, uh, they have fires all over the place in Canada. And the outlook, uh, so far, I think that the uh, uh, jet stream looks like it uh, uh, moved uh, in a different direction here. And right now, we're seeing for most of the United States, we're in the green for air quality index. 
I had a conversation with my daughter's teacher today. I said, yeah, we, yeah, we uh, did a little Instagram thing with you. Did a shout out for you. Keep up the good work. So uh, we're going to be getting these pretty much the same for the rest of the summer. A little bit of AI here. And since that is a uh, uh, story here, right? Well, ongoing story, AI and how it impacts safety. It's, uh, you know, it's uh, uh, pretty, uh, pretty, uh, uh, no, we talk about it all the time. Now, what I'm going to do here, we all know I have a, uh, uh, a uh, subscription to AI, right? Right. Uh, let's see if I can get it up here. Chat. Right. So. Here, this is what I did, right? And a rabbi did this, right? Uh, so I'm going to go right here, and I'm going to, and, uh, and so I wonder if it would write a sermon, right? A sermon, like, yeah, you know, like church sermon. And so I picked an obscure passage. So I, I'm going to put in here, 100-word commentary on Amos first, and since I'm Lutheran, Lutheran point of view. So here, here is here, 100 words. I mean, I, I put down a, uh, over the weekend for a complete thing. Amos 1 presents a powerful message of God's justice and righteousness from a Lutheran perspective. The prophet's condemnation of neighboring nations reminds us that God's concern for justice extends beyond the borders of our own community. We are called to confront and address injustice in all its forms, recognizing that God's justice knows no boundaries. Amos reminds us of our role as believers in actively pursuing justice, advocating for the vulnerable, and standing against oppression. As Lutherans, we embrace this call to be agents of change, reflecting God's love and mercy in a world in desperate need of his justice and grace. Pretty scary, huh? Uh, Rabbi did this in New York, and, they, and he was a lot more specific. He said, give it in the style of such and such a rabbi. And he went out there and gave the whole, whole uh, sermon to the congregation. And then he said, oh, by the way, a computer wrote all of this. So this is pretty scary in a way. Now, I'm not a theologian, so I don't even know how if this is actually valid. But you can see maybe where AI, some of the things we hear about AI, where it's actually, uh, the AI actually uh, uh, you know, is influencing people. So before, you know, you have the, you know, everyone blames the mainstream news media for influencing people or the MAGA people for influencing people and the extreme right wing, the extreme left wing and Mother Jones and everybody else, uh, we're all being manipulated, right? And I say, don't be manipulated, be educated. But now it's getting to the point where we have AI manipulating people, AI becoming your minister, your rabbi, your imam, whatever you preach, your priest, whatever. So I'm going to dress for grins and giggles here, and I'm going to get back to the news here in a minute. So now we're going to do Amos 1, uh, 100-word commentary from... Catholic perspective. So what we got here. So here we go. Amos 1 from a Catholic perspective reveals God's unwavering commitment to justice and righteousness. The prophet's words resonate with the church's social teaching, emphasizing the need to address and seek injustices and protect the vulnerable. Amos reminds us that our faith must be accompanied by actions that promote a just society. A call, the call to confront the sins of the neighboring nations challenges us to recognize our interconnectedness and responsibilities as members of the human family. Uh, through this chapter, we are called to embrace our role as instruments of God's justice, working towards a world where we are all treated with dignity, compassion, and accordance with, gospel, with the gospel message. 
I tell you what, they, China AI, as I, again, not a theologian here, they did get the subtleties between Catholicism and Lutheranism. So this is getting a little bit weird here, right? So, by the way, I'm not endorsing it. It's not a, becoming a religious program, but it can very easily through AI. Watch out, Pastor Tice. I'm coming for you. All right. Paul McCartney says, hey, I got John Lennon's voice on the last Beatles record. Again, this is where a good uh, segue. Beatles singer Paul McCartney told the BBC that artificial intelligence was used to extricate and clean up the vocals of a former bandmate, John Lennon, from an old recording. The vocals are now set to feature on a upcoming track. We were able to take John's voice and get it pure enough through this AI so that when we could mix the record as you would normally do, it gives you some sort of leeway. He described AI as having a good and scary side. So again, this is a look at the new uh, Star Wars movies. They had people on that thing that had been dead for 30 years. On the new, now this is five years ago. And let's not forget, RCA was doing this stuff uh, with a closed captioning from the 1960s. And they, even then they were talking about that because I know a friend of a friend of mine uh, was saying that they were working on this AI back in the 60s because he was working on the project. So it's, uh, no, it's scary here. And Frank pornography being banned in Florida and Texas schools. A new version in the famous Holocaust diary is being called, this is from the Jerusalem Post, is being called Anne Frank pornography and is uh, in turn getting banned from schools in Texas and Florida. Among the many books that conservative parents have recently asked their children's schools removed as a Lushly illustrated version of the most famous Holocaust diary. The graphic adaptation of Anne Frank's diary, published in English in 2018, has found itself at the center of a growing number of controversies involving book removals from school libraries. Uh, da -da -da. The movement to police children's literature, particularly graphic novels on the basis of race, sex, and gender, has encompassed thousands of different titles and is and it has grown to become a potent political force with potential reverberations for the 2024 presidential race. The official who has played one of the biggest roles in enabling parents to challenge the library book. Now, I'm trying to figure out what is it with this book? Uh, so one side says that it's distorting uh, Anne Frank's legacy and aids in grooming children. Even some Jewish parents and at least one Jewish lawmaker have objected to the book's presence in schools. I read the diary of Anne Frank many times as a kid. I don't remember any of that stuff that they put in that graphic novel, said Representative Randy Fine, uh, told the Jewish Telegraphic Agency. Calling that adaptation an Anne Frank pornography book, Fine continued. Frankly, the graphic novel is anti-Semitic. To sexualize the diary, well, this is a quote, to sexualize the diary of Anne Frank in that sort of inappropriate way is anti-Semitic. I don't know. Uh, I'm going to have, you know, this is one of those things and you got to check it out uh, for yourself. I tell you what this uh, back in the day, uh, 1950s, this was uh, at least in New York, there was a lot of uh, uh, controversy to Anne Frank's, uh, diary uh, as far as whether it was true or not. And there was some litigation with this. Do I believe it was true? Absolutely true. I think that she didn't go far enough, that things are worse than what was in that diary. I know that through my uh, mother's experience and uh, a guest on here, Imogene Salva from February, from February uh, 2021, uh, I think 22, February 2022, uh, that things were worse than what what was documented here uh, with the with this, uh, you know. I don't know. Uh, kind of read. It. It's one of those things. Am I willing to accept everybody? Now, there's controversy here, and when there's controversy, I like to research things. But here you are. If you research it, you're going to get into trouble because now you're reading an anti-Semitic pornography book. About a teenage, uh, I think she was teenage, maybe 12, not uh, a tween girl, right? 
I don't know. Uh, no. Is it true or not? Or are we given, is it a work of fiction where we allow people to actually go and uh, uh, have some kind of uh, license to change things? I don't know. We'll figure it. We'll figure it out. We'll get there. Right. You'll get there, maybe without me, but you're going to get there, as uh, my uh, mother used to say. All right. Here we go. Uh, first, it was quiet quitting now, and I think we're going to conclude with this. All right. Uh, employee frustrations impact productivity and worker retention, Gallup says. So this is according to Gallup articles in the Wall Street Journal. More and more Americans aren't feeling great at work. Half of workers aren't engaged in the job, putting in minimal effort to get by, according to Gallup. Uh, employee engagement, a measure of involvement and enthusiasm at work in the U.S., declined for the second year in a row. There is also a growing share of the workforce that is disengaged or resentful that their needs aren't being met. In some cases, these workers are disgruntled over low pay and long hours, or they have lost trust in their employees. Now, what I had said, I don't know if I said it on the program, but I wrote a letter in 2010 uh, to my political People saying I'm out of politics here. And now I'm, you know, now I'm commenting on it. And I had pointed out that it's only gonna be so long that people are gonna figure this crap out. They're gonna figure this out. And then all of a sudden, we're gonna have a problem because people do not have time to contemplate, as uh, our former president Richard Nixon said, where you need soak time. You need contemplation time. And he would always make made it his discipline that for a half an hour a day, he actually sat down and he contemplated things. People didn't have that. And what happened in 2020, 2021, 2022, beginning of this year, and in May 11th, what was it? COVID-19 and lockdowns. So now you have people that are I said, look, when these people figure out what's going on, even a little bit, even if they figure it out and it's, they're wrong about it, they're going to figure something out, there's going to be an issue. They're going to revolt. So what happened? You put all these people in lockdown for how long? And guess what? They're pissed off. Is anybody really surprised about this? Any one of us? That these people are all upset, that people are pushing back, that maybe they went out there and maybe they listened to programs like this or any other 17 or 18, I forget how many there are on the Safety FM network and many of the other things. They got educated a little bit and said, you know what? Things, though, this happened in the service industry where people were working as waiters and waitresses and, uh, or whatever we want to call them. Then all of a sudden, oh, you know what? There's a lot more out there. I can be doing a lot more with my life. And all of a sudden, they don't come back. Right? And it happened. Why is this uh, thing? And this happens often with the safety uh, thing. So I come out when I'm giving a training class. I used to have people, uh, you know, it still happens. They didn't do that at my old company. They didn't. They were supposed to do that. Yeah, they're supposed to give you safety glasses for eye hazards. Well, you know, not, legally, they don't, you know, legally, if their prescription, no, but they're, you know, you didn't know they didn't do us that they did. I said, Hey, look, I don't know what they did at the old company. I said, but this is what we're training you to do with your new company. And when I was working in an inner cities job program for a great American university, in New, uh, great uh, university in New Jersey, they, we would hear that all the time. Jimmy, they didn't give us Gluvno. Okay, great. Uh, you know, but it's one of those things here. People are going to get upset. All that they had to do was listen to our program to understand how stressed, all right, people are. Workplace stressors include low salaries, long hours, a lack of opportunity for advancement. I'd say this to, uh, thing too, lying to the employees, all right? That, that's another one. So uh, I'm probably going to... Uh, talk about this a little bit more in the very near future because this really needs some uh, 
this really needs something. And I was shocked that I had known about that one job site. So uh, for Safety Wars, this is uh, Jim Polzel. I'll see you tomorrow. And we're already off to a good start this week. Two days in a row of Safety Wars. Safety Wars is streaming now. SafetyFM.com The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the host and its guest and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the company. Examples of analysis discussed within this podcast are only examples. They should not be utilized in the real world as the only solution available as they are based only on very limited and dated open source information. Assumptions made within this analysis are not reflective of the position of the company. No part of this podcast may be reproduced, stored in a retrieval system, or transmitted in any form or by any means, mechanical, electronic, recording, or otherwise, without prior written permission of the creator of the podcast, Jay Allen. Good night, everybody. Stay safe.